that's who he is today. Amen. He's always been a way maker, and he still is a way maker. He's always been a miracle worker, and he still is. And even if you can't see him, he's still working. Oh, what a promise. What a promise. What a hope. Oh, praise the Lord. Let's just go to him in prayer. Father, let's come to you tonight, Lord, just asking that you would come and move. We felt you already so powerfully, Lord. See, Lord, that you're in the worship and the praise and the songs. God, may this word just come tonight, I pray. Help me, Father. Help me to step out of the way, Lord. I ask it for your glory. If anything we've done, we ask, Lord, you forgive us. We just want to be moved by your spirit, Lord, and by your presence. Bless each hand and each heart and each life, Lord. You heard the needs, Father. So many suffering, Father. So many in need of you, Lord. We're just looking for you to move, Lord, and touch lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And turn to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. And also Genesis 22 and verse 11. Amen. It's good to be back in the house of the Lord. It's always good when they said unto me, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. It's wonderful to come together and rub shoulders with one another and just get all that old Laodicea off of us and things we've been through and just let it be washed from us. It's a wonderful thing for believers to be together. Amen. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Also Genesis 22 and 11. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called into Abraham out out of heaven the second time. And said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies." And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Amen. We let you be seated. I'd like to speak to you this evening on Jesus Christ, the same possessors of the gates. Amen. That is us, possessors of the gates. Amen. But so I was looking at this, this uh, story as we've read of Abraham, and we know the story of how he waited for many years for a son. 
and, and waited for the promise to come to pass. You know, no doubt as the days would t- tick on and it would go on by and time would tarry, it seemed like it would never come to pass. But the scripture says he staggered not at the promises of God. He held on. And, and you know, he held on in the hard times of his life. And, and, and it would also say, you know, as in Hebrews 6, it would talk about how God made the promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater. He swore by himself, saying, surely blessing, I will bless thee, multiply, and I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. And, and sometimes that's the way it is with us as believers. It seems like things are never going to come to pass. It's never going to fall in place. It's never going to be where we want it to be. But we're to patiently endure. We're to hang on even in the hardest of times. And, and when it gets difficult and situations around us and, you know, life is not a fair, this life that we live is not a fair life. Amen. It's like, as the saying goes, life ain't fair. There's things that we go through. There's things that we face. And it's it seems like the, the prophecies of God and, and the one that we are, as a bride are looking for is the coming of the Lord. That's the main prophecy that we're waiting on as far as, a, as our hope and our, 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 our longing is to see him return back for us. But it seems like in those these days as they go on, and here we are, year 2021, and seemingly going maybe into another year, it seems like the life is getting harder, is getting strong, uh, harder to overcome, is getting harder every day of our life. Amen. We're hearing more and more of calamities and, and problems around us. But it's very important during these times that we don't get our eyes upon the calamities or the problems or the situations, but we keep our eye on the promise. And this is where Abraham would patiently endure that in the time of calamity, he still kept his eye on the promise. During a good day, he would keep his eye on the promise. No matter how many years, how many days, how many times, how, how difficult the time may seem to have gotten for him, amen, he would keep his eye on the promise. And we know that day finally came as he would wait there some 25 years for the promised son. And, and here he receives his Isaac and he receives the promise. And, and you know, and God does what's seemingly a very strange thing. He, he tells him to take him up to a mountain and to offer him for a sacrifice. But you know, Abraham was so faithful that he never, Brother Branham said he never thought one moment about it. Matter of fact, the scripture says he got up early the next morning. He did, he did, or early that morning, he didn't even take days to think about it or ponder about it or, or wonder how God's going to do all of this. He knew if God gave him the promise, God was able to keep the promise. Amen. So he never refused to do it. He just got up and as the Lord spoke to him and he saddled up his mules and he took some wood and he chopped it and took off. You know, he gets to a place, the scripture said he went about a three day journey and he, and he turns it to his servants. He said, now I want you to wait here. I, you know, I really like this about Abraham. He said, I want you to wait here with the mules. I and my son will go yonder to worship and we shall return. We shall return. What was it? Abraham was turning his faith loose. 
And I believe that there's ever a time in our lives, is the time is right now, that we begin to speak the promises of God. We begin to speak what God has given us in this hour, and we turn our faith loose. How do you turn your faith loose? By speaking the word of God. Amen. This is what Abraham was doing. He was speaking the promise. The promise was Isaac. The promise was the promised son. And he said, we are going to return to this place. You know, Brother Branham said, when you receive the Holy Spirit, everything that you have need of in the, earth, the earthly journey is in you right that, then. He said, but what it is, you need to turn it loose and let it go to work. Let your faith loose. Let your faith loose in the promises of God and believe God no matter what the circumstances. No matter what he asks you to do, believe God. No matter what day he asks you to walk through, believe God. No matter what situation you find yourself in, you believe God. Amen. No matter how difficult it may seem, you believe God. It's time that you let your faith loose in God's spirit. And when you do that, he said it let, makes your body come into subjection to what God's redemptive blessings for you are. Did you catch that? He said, if you'll let your faith loose in God's spirit, it'll bring your body into subjection to all the redemptive blessings that are for you. And anything that Jesus died for, he's sitting there tonight to make the intercession for you. Amen. That you can have it upon your confession. And this is exactly what Abraham was doing. He was confessing, me and the lad's going, but me and the lad's returning. Even though God had said go and offer him, he knew that God would provide a sacrifice. Oh, come on now. And so upon his confession, he began to confess before it ever happened, before he knew. He didn't know how it was going to turn out. He just knew God was faithful to the promise. Amen. He said, whatever you confess that he's done and believe it, that's your personal property. Every believer, every person that's born again, how many's born again tonight, has the right to any redemptive blessings. He said, when you get saved, Jesus takes a, and hands you a checkbook and lasts you all through life's journey. And his name is signed at the bottom of every one of them. Whatsoever you ask in my name, it shall be done. He said, just, just sign it. Let it turn it loose. Let it go. Send it to the bank of heaven and see if he won't bring it to pass. Abraham didn't know how it was going to be. He didn't know how it was all going to work out. But he knew he had the promise. Amen. That's all that mattered. Amen. Did, you Did you hear me? The promise is all that matters. It, what, it don't matter how he's going to bring it to pass. Because many times he'll bring it to pass way beyond what you was thinking or way different than how I was thinking. Amen. All that matters is I have the promise. How is he going to do it? We don't know. Abraham didn't know. You know, he was told to go up there and sacrifice, to kill him. God said, go up there and take his life. You know, what did the Bible say? It says in Hebrews 11 and verse 17, it says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, he offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up. Even from the dead. He had already received him as one from the dead. Because Abraham's body was uh, dead. I mean, he had no seed. Uh, Sarah's body was dead. Her womb was dried up. So he received the promise already one time as one from the dead. So he knew if God done it before, God will do it again. 
Abraham was already preaching in this moment, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that gave me Isaac the first time is the same one that can raise him up the second time. Accounting. This word is something is a really a, a you know like where they, I guess I get the, the the word accounting from as far as the as taking care of numbers. It, 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 this is a word that is not dealing with may, with a maybe. It's a reality. It's not a. It, it's, it's it actually says it like this. It says this word is not actually don't actually. It means if you're accounting, there's twenty five dollars in your bank account. It's not close. It's not plus or minus, it's $25. Amen, it's a reality. There's $25 in there, not $26 or $27. There's $25 in there. So Abraham knew or accounted God is able to raise him up. The reality is he's able to raise him up. The reality is he's able to fulfill his promise no matter how difficult it is and it ain't going to be plus or minus. It's going to be what the promise said and he's going to bring it to pass. You know, some people in their bank accounts are good with plus or minus, you know, but if you get a real account, it. He's not good with maybe it's $25 or maybe it's $25,000 or maybe it's 20 this or whatever. He wants to know to the penny. Amen. Because he's a good accountant. Amen. And so we're not looking at the promises as a maybe, as a might be. If you're really accounting that God is able, you're looking at that promise and saying it's $25. Amen, it's 25 cents. As Brother Brandon was saying, he said, if you have gave you a quarter, it's not 26 cents or 27 cents. It's the purchase price of bread. Amen. It's, it's, a, it's given an account, accounting or a, a number, exact number, an exact figure. And this is what the promises of God. They are amen. They are yea. They are exact. They have a perfect day to bring fulfillment. It won't be on a day before or a day after. It'll fulfill the time of its fulfillment. No matter what man says or decrees, no matter what the devil says or decrees, it will fulfill. Amen. Amen. So we, we have to look at it not at, at, you know, in a general sense as maybe it's going to happen or, or you know, maybe I'll get healed or maybe I'll my, my children to come back. or No, he gave me those. They're in my account. Come on, somebody. Have you been taking account what's in your bank account? Well, if I, if I read what's in the account, my children are in the account. Oh, hallelujah. If I'm really looking at what's in my bank account. If I have four children, there's four children in my bank account. There ain't two, there's not three, there's four. Hallelujah. If I'm looking in my account and there's healing in there, if there's a baby in there, if there's God in there, I want all of it. Amen. It's time we quit with just getting closer, getting a plus or minus. We want all God said. We want everything he said. So if you mom and dads, you need to look in your account. It's already been paid for. It's already been done. My children's there. My offspring's there. God gave them to me. And there ain't nothing the devil can do about it. 
Hallelujah. If you're sick tonight, look in the accounts and start accounting something and say he's the Lord God that heals all my diseases. If you come here to press tonight, look in the account. There's a joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's not a close to or a maybe or a might be. It's in the account. The devil's wanting to try to come and tell you it ain't there. It's time you start looking in there and say, yep, it's right there. Romans 4 said, said as it is written, 4.17, I made thee a father of many nations, before whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead, and called those things which are not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. Amen. According to that which is spoken, so shall thy seed be. Oh, Hallelujah. So shall thy seed be. Amen. He put, what, what happened? God deposited a promised son in Abraham's account. Amen. And the devil said it couldn't be. And the devil said for 25 years it wasn't going to happen. But God put it there. Amen. We're, we're reaping the benefits of some accounts tonight. Brother, Brother Andrew and Sister Candace now expecting their child. What happened? God put it there. And there's more in there. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm I'm, I'm just going to say it right now. I'm not getting weaker in faith. I'm getting stronger in faith. You say, well, what about your sister Esther and and brother Jeff? What about them? They had it and and they lost it. What about that? It's in the account. It's in the account. Amen, the devil can scream, the devil can howl, the devil can say it ain't so, the devil can say it's gonna never happen, but it's in the cows. Amen. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about 100 years old, Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, but he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in the faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's what it had. You have to be all in. Amen. You got to go every, 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 every part. You can't, you can't go halfway. You can't go partway. You got to go all the way. Amen, just go do a search on halfway. I was looking at it. Amen, you, it's amazing what that word will bring up. <laughs> uh, yeah, this don't really have nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but I thought it was interesting. Brother Brandon was, talking, was blasting about men that was wearing the britches halfway down their backside. Must have been a style back then, too. That blew my mind. Hey. <laughs> But, you know, halfway, he said, you, we don't, we don't want, he said, you don't see a, a drunk, sober man. You don't see a sinner saint. Amen. There ain't, there ain't no halfway here. If you want to obtain the promise, you got to go all the way. Amen. You can't just make it up to the mountain and say, well, I made it this far. I got my wood. I, I got my justice. As we heard Sunday, we got a justification, got my sanctification. No, it's got to go all the way. 
to where you can lay yourself upon that altar and say, God, I'm dying out to everything that I ever thought, everything that I ever wanted or desired. It's not my will, but thy will be done. Amen, Amen. that's finding, that's balancing the account. Amen. Amen. But Abraham said, you wait here. How's he going to do it? I can't tell you. I don't know how he's going to do it. I just know he's going to do it. But he's going to do it because he promised he would. I don't know how he's going to move in in an impossible situation. But I've seen that he's done it before. He'll do it again. I don't know how he's going to end up all this and take a bride without spot or without wrinkle. But I know he will because it's in the account. And he's faithful to it. And he swore that he would. Amen. God would come to Abraham. He said, I'm going to swear not by you, Abraham, not by Isaac, not by these mountains. I'm going to swear by there's nothing greater than myself. I'm putting myself in the account. Oh, hallelujah. When he put himself in your account, that's an unlimited resource. That's an unlimited, you can buy anything you want to buy that's in the Bible. You can cash it in. What's in the Bible, you can have it. I know he will. This boy and I will return. Will you wait here? We're going to worship. So he put the wood on, on little Isaac's back. We know there was a type of Christ packing his cross. He got up to the top of the mountain. You know, and Isaac got a little suspicious. He, he'd been to church before, apparently. He's like, uh, Daddy, there's wood, there's an altar, we got a fire, where's the sacrifice? Listen to what came out of Abraham's lips. My son, God will provide for himself a lamb. He will provide a sacrifice. Amen. God had been testing Abraham because he had given him the promise. When God makes a promise, he wants to make sure that this person he gives it to is worthy of the promise before he fulfills the promise. Amen. So Abraham had been promised that through his seed, the whole world would be blessed. And he'd have a son. Now the son, amen, would bring forth a seed that would bless the whole earth. And Abraham, when the promise was given to 75 years, and here's wife years old and his wife 65 years, but the Bible, as we read, said he staggered not at the promises of God. And God tested him, and God time after time tested him. But he came to this final test before the blessing was going to happen. Now listen to what Brother Branham says about that. He said, that's the way it is with every seed of Abraham. God gives us the final test just before he gives the promise. Fulfills the promise, that final test to see how you will react. Wow. And when he gave Abraham this test, he found Abraham just as true as he was when he started him. What a blessing it would be this morning if we could take his promise of healing and stand there just as true as we did when we stood and accepted it. No matter what the doctor said, the promise is true. I want you to understand the doctor, amen, his words, it has, it, it, it's not like, you know, the stock market. The stock market can hear about, a, they can hear about some of the silliest things sometimes. And psh, 
or you can hear something go way up. But let the doctor's words does nothing to the value of the account. It still has the same value. It still produces the same thing. Amen. The doctor's words did not diminish the value of your account. Amen. It's still there. The devil cannot do anything to diminish the value of the account. Amen. And when he did this, when Abraham did this, he never withheld his only son. But he's about to plunge the knife into his bosom. Here he had testified all over the earth as he'd go to different places. I'm going to receive a son. Well, Abraham, you're 75. You're 85. Yeah, I don't care. I'm going to receive a son. 95. I'm going to receive a son. And now he's taking that testimony and laying him upon the altar. And going to take his life. He was asked to, Brother Brown put it like this, he was asked to double back and destroy the only hope he had for his testimony to be fulfilled. But when God, seeing that he was loyal to that faith that he had in God, God looked out of the heavens and he said, I've swore by myself that I'll bless you and multiply you and your seed shall possess the gate of his enemy. What was it? Because of his confession. God will provide a sacrifice. God will fulfill this. I don't know how he's going to do it. I just know he's going to do it. It's also uh, in the Bible with Rebecca. There's a prophecy over Rebecca, and I thought that was very, Brother, Brother Branham would actually take both of these scriptures and tie them together. Uh, and Rebecca, you know, she was, Eliezer had went to the well, and, and we'd go through all that, but to save time, he comes down to the moment, and he goes and asks her family, and they said, well, you know, we, we don't know uh, when, when, when she could go, but ask her. We don't know if she even will go. Ask her. Well, she's going to go with this stranger that brought some gifts and the camels and, and all this. We'll, we'll, get the, we'll get the damsel and let her speak. We'll hear from her mouth where she'll go, yes or no. He said, that's the way it's brought to all the seed of God. It's got to be your mouth. Hello, somebody. It ain't just good enough for the preacher to preach it and, and to say it. It's got to come from your mouth. What, whose report will you believe? Amen. Are we going to are we going to just sit back and just say nothing or are we going to speak the word of God? Are we going to just look back and act like nothing's going on or are we going to speak the word? God wants to hear from you. He wants to hear what you're going to say about it. What you're going to say about the situation. What you're going to say about what you're going through. Did you get it? He makes you go through things so he can hear what you are going to say about it. He allows you to go through difficult situations so he can hear what you will say about it. Not what a preacher says about it or what somebody else says, but what you will say about it. This is why he let Job go through what he went through. He wanted to hear what Job was going to say about it. What did Job say? Though God slay me, yet I'll trust him. I know my Redeemer lives. Amen, though these skin worms destroy my body, yet in my flesh I'll see God. Amen, he started confessing. He started speaking the word of God right in the middle of the hardest trials. Listen, it's easy to speak the promises of God when life is rosy. It's easy to worship on a Wednesday night when everything, boy, you had the best day. Best day ever, you know, and best week ever. And everything's, I doubt, I don't know if anybody had that today. 
<laughs> but it's easy when things are going good and you got, you know, you got a good cushion in the bank account and you got things rolling your way and you got, you know, but God wants to hear what you're going to say about it when there's nothing in the bank account. When there's nothing that you can do anymore and you can't go another, you, you, there's no decision you can even make. He wants to know then what you're going to say about it. He wants to know then what your worship is going to be. Amen. I don't know what it does to you. But when I see the devil doing things to God's people and to God's children and to myself, to my family, it makes me want to go harder. He's pretty stupid. I, I don't think he's figured that out yet because it makes me want to just push the sword a little bit deeper. You know, when I see him doing what he's been doing and, and moving in, 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 in the body of Christ and, and divisions and this, that, and the other, it makes me want to go even harder. Study more. Find that inspiration. Go after it a little harder. Push a little harder. Don't stop. This ain't the time to be, you know, kicking back and kicking our heels up and saying, well, we, you know, we're, no. Have you ever seen a time such as this? I was thinking about it today. When I, in my lifetime, I don't know if I've ever heard of so much death. So much calamity. So many, maybe it's because, well, we've had social media for a long time, and I still ain't never heard of it like I've heard of it now. But in these moments, God wants to hear what you're going to say. That's where Abraham was brought to. He's brought to this moment, and he's leading his son, his only son. Could you imagine what was in He still was a man. He had feelings and thoughts and things that were going through his mind. And he's wondering, what's going to happen in his mind? He's thinking. He'd cast it down. God's a provider. God can move. He's going, what about his whisper over there? What about your son? He's going to keep, he's told you to kill him. And where are you going to get the promise now? What's going to happen now? It's going to be, you, you know, they're going to make fun of you. They're going to, but he's a provider. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's a provider. He shall provide for himself a sacrifice. And this is where he kept going until it would come out of his mouth. And now it's come to Rebecca. And she's asked in the moment. But Brother Brown said when she was put to the test, she never hesitated a minute. She didn't go back to her bedroom and think about it. She said, I will go. And he said, I like that. He said, not let me make up my mind. Let me study it over. She was fully persuaded. He said, that's the people that God can use. You want to be used of God? Be fully persuaded. You want to be used of God? Be all in. If you want to be used of God, say, I will go. And her people then so anointed, he says, Maybe they didn't know it, but they put their hands on her and they began to prophesy over this little young Jewish girl. And they put her on a camel and sent her upon, upon, uh, uh, to a strange people. But there was something on them as they said, let thy seed possess the gate of their enemy and be thou a mother of thousands of millions. 
Thy seed shall possess the gate of its enemy. That's God's sworn promise. He said, by that Holy Spirit, seeing that mother was to be part of the son also because they're part of the same flesh, then the Holy Spirit working through these people laid their hands on them and said, let thy seed possess the gate of the enemy. Then God swearing he possessed the gate of the enemy. What position does that put the church of the living God in tonight? Hallelujah. She was typing the church of God. Here's a type of Christ and here's a type of the church. And the same word for the bridegroom is the same word for the bride. And just as he overcame and possessed the gates, so shall the bride overcome and possess the gates of the enemy. We are Abraham's seed. And we being dead in Christ, we are heirs with him under the same sworn promise. We are Abraham's seed and are heirs to every promise that was given him. But when the testings come, many times if we're not careful, that's where we fail. He said, but I don't believe that the true seed of Abraham will fail. They'll stand just as gallant and loyal as Abraham did. Oh, hallelujah. But what does the gates mean? What does the gates represent him? You know, I, I was looking into some of this and, and, you know, most of the cities and large towns in that day were surrounded by walls of some kind. Uh, they would either have some kind of stick fence or, uh, to, or to all the way to high stones that were made for a, def- a wall of defense. The idea was to be able to protect the inhabitants at night from animals that might wander in and most of all to protect the city from, uh, from uh, humans that are thieves or bandits and, and conquering armies. But these gate or gates, however many was in that city, were the only way in or out of that city. So all the commercial traffic entered and exited through the gates. And thus, the city gate became a place of all kind of important activity in the life of the city and its inhabitants. The area near the gate became a literal marketplace where commodities from the farmers that lived outside would bring them to the gates. And you can read it in the scriptures and would bring it to the gates and they would sell them right there in the gate of the city. Increased commerce gave rise, you know, to dispute. So, uh, you know, they'd bring the courts and men and elders of high renown and not necessarily the old, but just respected men would sit there in that area and would bring the wisdom of their experience and insight. Then they would settle the disputes. And even the king would sometimes come to the gate and sit there and decree laws and things. So the gate was a very important place to the city. And it was a center for even political activities or even, you know, mustering up an army to go and fight. Kings, you know, as I said, would sit there and dispense judgment and take the political pulse of the people. So it was showing that there's power right there in the gates. And we know how the enemy, amen, would try to come and he tries to either wall people in or wall people away from something. And so the gate in that city, though, was actually the weakest part. It would, you wouldn't, you know, if you tried to go against something, you wouldn't necessarily go against the, the strong walls or, or, you know, where they could shoot you down from. You'd take a battering ram and you'd smash it against the gates. And you'd try to, because it had a, the weakest link, and you'd try to take that. And so God was telling Abraham, your seed will possess the seed of the gate. 
uh, the, the, the would possess the gates of the enemy. In other words, they would possess the place of authority. They would possess the place, the place where rulership went from, and, 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 and things took place. And so the enemy wants to come in, and he wants to wall you, and he wants to wall you in or wall you out. Amen. But you have been given position over that place. Therefore, there's no way because no way, you, you have the ability or the rulership over the gate. Therefore, you have the ability to go in or go out. You have the ability, the rulership, amen, to, to do whatever you have need of because it's in your inheritance. Hallelujah. So he's trying to maybe wall you out by, wall you in by sin or wall you in by fear, but the gate has been torn down. And it's not him at the gate anymore. You have rulership over the gate. And we know our bodies, we can go into all of that, has gates that comes that, that allows things to come in. Amen. You know, the, even just the sea taste, smell, and fear in here, uh, feeling here, that's, that's all gates. But you've been given rulership by the Holy Spirit over those gates. And there's others the other gates of the spirit and all of that and you've been given the rulership to dictate what takes place now we can look down to the bible and we can see amen many of many of of the seed of abraham how they would take over the gate they would take over the rulership and we can we can see how moses went down and, and he would begin to take over rulership over egypt with just a rod but he would actually take the authority over a great army he would, take, uh, he would be able to sit in a place of rulership. Actually, even though they may not have recognized him to be a ruler, they may not have thought him to be a ruler, but he was ruling over their, their circumstances. He was ruling over their fields. He was ruling over their cities. Amen. He's bringing fries and fleas and frogs and hail and rain. Amen. God had given him position over the gate of authority. Hallelujah. And you know, Brother Brown would talk about how he'd even come down the Red Sea and God gave him the key, amen, the gate to go across into the, into the, toward the promised land. Because there was a word that spoke of him, you shall possess the gate of the enemy. Now that's not going to mean you're not going to have issues and things arise. But you've been given rulership over the gate. Even Brother Brown will talk about him possessing, possessing the gates of your enemy. This is a wonderful quotation here. He said, he talks about how they went across the Red Sea and they get over into the wilderness. He said, just a few moments, trials begin to come. Instead of keeping their eye on the promise. See, if they'd have done just like Abraham done, they'd have been the promised land many years before. But they got their eyes off of it. And when trials came and they, 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 they didn't judge him faithful. I mean, you know, they, and they'd lost the rulership of the gate. And tensions begin to come into the church. You know, Brother Brown said, every, or the Bible says, every son that cometh to God must be tried and proven and tested. Brother Brown said, he lets sicknesses strike you. He lets diseases come on you to test you to see what you're going to say about it. To show the world that you truly are the seed of Abraham. He permits it by his own will. He said he even allows tensions to come in a congregation just to see what you're going to say about it. He permits it by his will. He permits disasters. He permits friends to turn against you. 
He permits things. He turns the devil loose to tempt you. He'll do it all but take your life. He could throw you on the bed of affliction. He could turn your neighbors against you. He could turn the church against you. He can almost do anything. It's God's will for him to do it. Help, help. But we are taught that it's more precious than gold to us. But he's wanting to see what you're going to say about it. Too many times we, we, we hear something that's going on in the church and we just jump right in and we haven't even know, we don't even know the sides of the story enough to even make a righteous judgment. And before we know it, we done jumped on the wrong side. But God's allowing things to come just to see what you're going to do about it. How are you going to react? What's going to be your response? Sometimes, you know, you have to stand alone. Sometimes it brings you to a final moment in, your, in the decision when everything, everybody's moved away and you're standing alone. Yeah. You walk out there and say, <laughs> no. You walk out there and you say, don't God slay me. Yeah. Yet I'll trust him. Yeah. No matter what goes on around me, I know he hasn't lost control. No matter what's happening around me and the waves are crashing and things are going on, I know he's still on the throne. And though all hell assail me, I shall not be moved. That's the seed of Abraham. That's the one that gave the promise no matter what the rest of them says, what the rest of them do. For me and my house, we're going to serve God. If the rest of them says there's nothing to the experience, if the rest of them says there's a bunch of excitement, for me and my house, we're going to serve God. He said, I'd like to take up with Paul right there and say, in the way that is called heresy, so worship I the God of our fathers. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, my, I never forget going over. I think I've told this, but it's a, it was a wonderful experience going over there into Czech Republic with Brother Danny Steeman. Another brother took us into this cave, beautiful, beautiful cave of all kind of things, stalactites. I don't remember all the names, all kinds of stuff hanging from the ceiling, growing up from the floor. We walked to this one place, and there's nothing but a dusty-looking room, black, you see smoke, look like black soot or something on the ceiling. And the woman was talking in, in her native language. And the brother asked him what she was saying. He, he kind of laughed and kind of smiled at me. And she's saying that we're standing in the room where heretics had church. I felt right at home. <laughs> I was like, in the way that's called heresy. So worship I the God of our fathers. Standing right in the place where men and women had run away from that Catholic system so they could worship God. Amen. And here we are again in the same places. Pressure on every hand. Situations on every side. Judas has walked away from us. It's only just a moment that he's going to turn and bring back the soldiers. Judas has got to do what Judas does. 
They've already blasphemed the Holy Ghost. There's no hope for them. They want to send out judgments. There's judgments that's coming upon them. He said, though there be tattlers come in the church, though there be twisters, all kind of false prophets, everything that into the church among the people in the neighborhood and everything, but for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Though all of them quit coming, though the church gets cold and indifferent, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Though someone's prayed for and didn't get well, has nothing to do with it. I want you to understand, though my mama went into the grave after prayer after prayer, has nothing to do with it. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Testings and trials come, but as for me and my house, said, men are not infallible, but God is. You get your mind on a man, he'll make a mistake. Maybe not willfully, but he'll do it. God sometimes permits him to do so. To see if it'll shake your faith. And to shake your faith away from man. Our faith is not in the wisdom of man, but in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's where the true seed of Abraham's rest their promise. And they rest their promise because they can only be the seed of Abraham when they have received the Holy Ghost. Without the Holy Spirit, you're not a seed of Abraham. He says, well, I'm in the message. You're not in the seed of Abraham unless you've got the Holy Ghost. That's what makes you the seed. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of intellectual knowledge. And you'll out-argue somebody sitting on a bar stool. And if it's a bunch of intellectual knowledge, you'll, have, you'll decide that it's okay to have a glass of wine every once in a while. You'll decide it's okay to wear certain kind of dresses because it's up here and not here. But if it ever gets here, that's what makes you a seed of Abraham. Otherwise, you're just a seed of the bondswoman. Make-believe. We can see many of them. It's going down. Get, get, get here pretty quick. I'm running out of time. But we know as, as we could watch all the ones, the seeds of Abraham, Shamgar possessed the gate. I mean, David possessed the gate. Daniel possessed the gate. Hebrew children, I, I, all the highlights. I, I, but I mean, all the seeds of Abraham possessing the gate. But what was it speaking of? The royal seed to come. And he would, he would be born not of a man, but he'd be born of a virgin with the power in his veins to conquer death and hell. Oh my. God made a promise. An ordinary man couldn't do it, but if God makes a promise, he's just the same God he was a few minutes ago when we was talking about Abraham and Jehovah Jireh. The Lord shall provide a way to take the gate. Amen. If there's a gate that needs to be conquered, God will provide a way to take that gate. Moses died, the rest of them died, but God said he shall possess the gate of his enemy. Who's going to possess death? He's got a way of doing things. He shall possess the gate of his enemy. And the royal sea was born. He was tempted in every manner as we are. Just as we've been tempted, so was he. The devil quickly taking him after he received the Holy Spirit. And what did he do? He didn't go to his power. He went to it is written. Showing again the same word that worked with Abraham works in this day. What are you going to say about it? It is written. 
At his death, they drove nails in his hand. They spit in his face, went through every sickness. But when he was on earth, he proved he could conquer sickness. And he conquered, conquered every gate of sickness. He conquered leprosy. He conquered fevers. He conquered blindness. He conquered deafness. Just name it. He conquered it. He comes all the way. He conquered sickness. He conquered temptation. When the enemy spit him in the face, smote his jaw, he turned his other side. He jerked his beard and spit on him. He never riled back. He conquered the gate of temptation. He took it. Then you say, my temper won't let me do it. If you got his spirit, it's conquered. When he's riled upon, he riled not back. When he's made up fun of, he held his peace. When he's called a devil, he held his peace. He had one business. That's the father's business. And he went about doing that. And finally they took him to a cross. Death had to face him. All the rest of them had conquered seas. They'd conquered nature. They'd conquered lions. They'd conquered fire. They'd conquered everything but death. And here's one beaten in his brain, his veins, and had conquered, had the, this blood that was beaten through there, had the conquering power of death. So they took his hands, stretched him out, nailed him to a cross. They beat him. They stripped him till his bones stared at him. And when he did, and they'd done all they could do, death struck him, said, now I'll take you like I did Joshua. I'll take you like I did Daniel. I'll do all this because because I'm going to make you die. And he died till the sun said he was dead. Nature said he was dead. And it all testified he was dead. And brother, but then the devil sent his precious soul to the bottomless pits of hell. And there the gates open. And when he come out on the third day, he conquered the gate of death, hell in the grave. Oh, hallelujah. And his seed shall possess the gate of the enemy, conquered death, conquered hell. And on Easter morning, he conquered the grave. And now we stand with him more than conquerors. Oh, hallelujah. And on the day of Pentecost, he sent down the Holy Ghost to continue to the Gentiles to conquer gates. And we don't have to conquer it no more because it's already been conquered. Hallelujah. Sickness is already conquered. Death is already conquered. Temptation is already conquered. All devils is already conquered. Hell is conquered. The grave is conquered. And we're standing at the gates. And they're already conquered. He said, I want to get this picture for you. When you would look at the gate of sickness, right in the middle of that gate, stabbed in the ground is an old rugged cross. And it shows that gate is conquered. Hallelujah. I want to let cancer know tonight. There's in the middle of your gate, there's an old rugged cross that's been stabbed in the ground. And the blood is running through it. And the gate of cancer is conquered. Hallelujah. Amen. In the gate of fear, there's an old rugged cross that's been stabbed in the ground and it's showing that gate is conquered. Anxiety's gate is conquered. Depression's gate is conquered. All devils are conquered. Oh, my, my, my. When you realize all the gates have been conquered, you can take the city. You can take what God has given you. You can take every possession that God has placed in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, listen to this. He said in the church of the living God this morning lays the power to heal all sickness. Amen. Maybe I need to read that again. 
in the church of the living God lays the power to heal all sickness. In the church of the living God lays the power to overcome all temptation. In the possession of the church of the living God lays the power to change sin and throw it away and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In the church of Jesus Christ, whatsoever you ask, in my name it shall be given to you. A little while in the world, not see me, but you'll see me because I'll be with you even in you till the end of the world. What power lays in the church of the living God. Well, I say there's enough power to heal cancer, to heal any kind of disease, including brain bleeds, because I saw it happen. The works that I do shall you do also. All these is in your account. Amen. Let's balance it out here tonight. He shall possess the gate of his enemy. No matter what gate it is, if it's sickness, temptation, sin, whatsoever gate, the royal seed is already conquered, and we're heirs. He said, aren't you happy about that? To know we stand now more than a conqueror, more than a conqueror. He says, there's really nothing even to fight about. The fight's over, the whistle's been blowed, the flags rose in the middle of every sin pile, in the midst of every sick room is an old rugged cross planted by the blood of Jesus Christ, the conqueror. Only thing we have to do is look and live and believe. I will be with you, I'll prove it. People come in the last day said, oh well, that was then. But I'll be with you in the very things that I do here on earth. I'll be with you. Just because they said it don't mean it took it out. That didn't diminish the account. The account's still there. Just because critics arise does not diminish what God done in this generation. It's still there. The very same things that I do shall you do also the same kind of works. And today the church of the living God has the privilege of standing and seeing the conquered, conquering, resurrected Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, standing present, living in his church, doing the same thing he did again. And we are possessing the gate of every enemy. Did you understand? It didn't say you had to conquer every gate said you will possess every gate if you got an enemy this morning if you're a seed of Abraham there's not enough devils in hell that can keep that gate before you it'll open I don't care what it is you walk up there as a promised seed and said I claim this for mine this is mine because God swore that he raised it up Jesus through Jesus I conquered it and I came come in the name of the conqueror Jesus Christ step back I'm passing through and he shall possess the gate of the enemy and stand up there with your shoulders back and your shield is shining covered by the blood of the Lord and the enemy will have to recognize that and move back Amen. We can read in Matthew 16 and verse 16. Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ. Here Jesus brought him to a moment. Some, they were saying, well, some says you're Elias. Some says you're one of the prophets. He said, well, that's okay, but what do you say? What are you going to say? Do you hear it? What are you going to say? How are you going to respond? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ 
the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed unto thee, this unto thee, but for my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Reb Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What does this? The revelation. Amen. A personal revelation of who he is. Amen. Brother Brown said, you know, the Catholics thought that was Peter, so they built on Peter. He said it wasn't on Peter. It wasn't upon that, upon that rock, but the rock of revelation. And in this revelation, when you, he said, and Brother Brown would pick it up in the church age book. Amen. The importance of revelation by the spirit of a true believer can never be overemphasized. Revelation means more to you than perhaps you realize. And this is where Abraham was walking by revelation. Because God had given the promise and he was walking in the revelation of the promise. This is where it was. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When God is personally revealed to you. Because as he said, flesh and blood didn't give you this, Peter. It's a personal revelation. It's just like the, the, the lineage of the priest. In the, in the, under the law, it was by birth they were priests. But in this covenant, it's by revelation they're priests. So we, we're not, we don't come by birth as far as humanly speaking. You know, I, much as I want to, I can't pass it down to my children. They have to have their revelation. Sure, I can teach them. I can try to instruct them. But they have to come to the moment. This God is my God. You remember that moment? <laughs> Brother Lemuel come out of that little room up there in Oklahoma and said, I want the Holy Ghost. Well, he said, I want to be baptized. I said, well, what do you want to be baptized for, Brother Lemuel? He said, I want the Holy Ghost. I got to have it. I can't leave without it. I want it. I, and you could see the desperation in his heart. And I said, well, Brother Lemuel, you don't have to be baptized to receive the Holy Ghost. You can get the Holy Ghost and then be baptized. And I said, but what you want is that God not to be just your daddy's God or your mama's God or the preacher's God. You want that God to be your God. Amen. Laid hands on him and he became instantly drunk in the spirit for hours up into the morning. As he began to realize this God, he was screaming out, it's my God. Amen. It became a personal revelation. It became a personal revelation. Amen. It's almost even almost in the, in the realms of even becoming a minister. It couldn't be handed to me from my father. He might have wanted me to be a preacher. He might have desired that for his son, just like I would for my son. But we can't do that. It's not handed down from generation to generation. It's God-given. And the Holy Ghost is God-given. But it's a promise. It's in the account. It don't care what the devil says. It doesn't matter if the devil says he ain't doing it no more. It's still there. Revelation. It's wonderful. We know how he ends up. As he brings down, he says, when the church disbelieves Satan and believes the Spirit's revelation of the word... 
the gates of hell cannot prevail against her. He said, let, it, let me put a word here for my own ministry, if you don't mind. You all know this gift in my life is supernatural. See, it wasn't man-given. It was God-given. It's a gift whereby the Holy Spirit is able to discern diseases and thoughts of men's heart and other hidden things that only God can know and then reveal to me. He said, I wish you could stand with me and see the faces of people when Satan knows he's going to be exposed. <laughs> Isn't that the people I'm talking about? Isn't that Satan has got a hold in their lives through sin and indifference and diseases? But you should see their faces. Satan knows he's going to be exposed. And the most peculiar change comes over the people's countenance. I've seen those. Satan is afraid. He knows that the Spirit of God is about to let the people know of his works. And he's about to lose power over the gate. That is why he hates these meetings so much. When names are called and disease is revealed, Satan hates that. What is it? It's not mind reading. It's not telepathy, nor is it witchcraft. It's a revelation by the Holy Ghost. That it can only, that's the only way I can know it. Of course, the carnal mind will call it anything but the Holy Ghost. But let me show you another reason why Satan hates the book of Revelation and Jesus Christ and the church. He knows that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever, and he changes not. He knows more, a lot more than most 90% of theologians know. He knows that since God is immutable in his nature, he's also immutable in his ways. Thus, Satan knows assuredly that the original church at Pentecost with the power of God, Mark 16 in action, is the true church that Jesus claims is his own. All else is false. All else is false. It has to be. Now remember this. Christ and the true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. But the book of Revelation shows how that antichrist spirit would come into the church, defile it, make it lukewarm, formal, and powerless. It exposes Satan, revealing his works, attempting destruction of God's people, and the discrediting of God's word. Right down to the time he's cast in the lake of fire, he fights that. Do you blame him? He fights that. He can't stand it. He knows. Let's talk about what the devil knows. He knows that if the people get the true revelation of the true church and what she is and what she stands for and that she can do the greater works. Mark 16 in action. She will be an invincible army. Hallelujah. She will be the possessor of the gates. Hey man, there was an enemy one time thought they had a child of God locked inside of a city one time and he walked to the gate and he realized it was locked. But what happened? He began to feel those locks that was down his hair. He knew he was a man under a covenant. He knew he was a man under a promise and the anointing began to fall upon that body, little old shrimp looking thing and he began to feel the power of God moving in him until he had such a surge, he grabbed those gates and he picked them up and he put them on his back and he hauled them to the top of the hill. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Maybe the devil tonight has got some child hemmed in. But I ask that you would begin to realize I am a child under a covenant. I am under the covenant of the same covenant Abraham was under. I'm under. The same blessing Abraham was under. I'm under. The same word Abraham was under. I'm under. And when you feel that surge, 
of the Holy Ghost. You walk to that gate of pride. You walk to that gate of arrogance. You walk to that gate of sin. And you'll pick it up and you'll throw it out of the way and say, my God has conquered every gate. And I am now a possessor of the kingdom of God. I'm a possessor of all things. She will be an invincible army. If they get a true revelation of the two spirits within the framework of the Christian church and by God's spirit discern and withstand that antichrist spirit, Satan will be powerless before her. He will be as definitely thwarted today as when Christ withstood his every effort to gain power over him in the desert. Yes, Satan hates revelation, but we love it. For with true revelation in our lives, the gates of hell cannot prevail against us, but we will prevail over them. Let's stand to our feet. What are you going to say? In your trial and in your test, what's going to be your response? Abraham had plenty of time to walk away, but he wouldn't have been the possessor. He, if he would have walked away, he had to get to the point of having that knife in his hand before he could really fully see he's Jehovah Jireh. Sometimes God will let you walk down to your last step for you to realize he's Jehovah Jireh. He's more than enough in any situation. Let's bow our heads. Why don't you look at your account tonight? I ain't talking about the one at Regions or Cardinal Federal or whatever bank you bank at. That has no eternal value. Look what's been given to you in the bank of heaven. And you ask yourself, am I living below my means? Am I living below my privileges? as a son or daughter of God Lord I want to cash some checks I know there's been a lot of faithful parents as even in this building that's wrote out checks for their loved ones or children don't worry it's not going to bounce The promises in the Bible. How he's going to bring it to pass, I don't know. That's not for me to figure out. But what I do know, he won't let one of his promises fall to the ground. So, Brother Timothy, they're way out there. They, yeah, he goes way out there. 
He goes way out there where a man possessed by thousands of demons. He went through a lot of rough seas to get to him. There was a seed. And he went out to possess that gate. Don't matter where they're at, how far they are, how deep it seems. That matters nothing to God. What matters is what are you going to say? What matters is how you're going to respond. Because he's more than able. I've seen him come right in the middle of a room. Boy, is way out. Fall right in the room. Boy, fall down by his bed, give his heart to the Lord. Now he's living for God years and years later. Got a family. Married to a preacher's daughter. A few moments before that, you'd have thought there'd been no hope. But it's never hopeless when there's God. Never hopeless. Don't lose faith. If I can encourage you tonight in any way, don't lose faith. Hold on. It's going to be worth it. The party we're going to have is going to be worth it. Hold on. I'm looking to have a cancer-free party for too long. And I'm holding on. Because I know right in the middle of that gate is an old rugged cross. Been planted in blood running down it. What do you have need of tonight? Why don't you just talk to him? It ain't all about the preacher praying over you. You you speak. You say, Lord, I, I have need of this. Let him be your Jehovah Jireh. But right now, you just begin to lift your voice to him. Don't be ashamed. Said, Brother Timothy, I feel like I got my hand on the knife. Any minute the angel's gonna speak. Yes. Oh yes. Hallelujah. 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 He's answering prayer right now. He's moving when you don't even see him moving. You don't even feel him moving. He's moving. Say, Lord, let that revelation strike my heart. That this is possible. That you've got it in control. That you've got it. When there's nothing I can do about it, you've got it. When I can't change it, you got it. When I can't turn them around, you got it. Oh, hallelujah. Father, you are the same tonight, Lord. Lord, I believe even as we spoke about the maniac of Gadara, Legion, 
You went a long ways to get him on a rough ride. A lot of rough seas, but there was a cry over there. Lord, we don't always see it because we're human, but you no doubt saw him. Many people saw him when he was a raging maniac, saying things and doing things, breaking chains. But Lord, you was able to see him, Lord, when he'd come to himself and say, Lord, I know you, Lord, Jehovah, Jireh. I know you're my provider. I just need a touch from you. Lord, we, we, we see all the faults and the failures and mistakes in our children sometimes, but Lord, we sometimes don't get to see them stop for a moment, those dark moments, and say, Lord, I remember when I used to sit on an evening light tabernacle pew to feel your presence, just to feel you again. Lord, you hear that cry. And you're moving out into the realms, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord Jesus, may you just quicken the hearts, Father. We can receive them back as though someone from the dead. Because the quickening power of the Holy Ghost is still just alive today as it was ever. Move, we pray in Jesus' name. We're here to possess that gate and to take it for our home. Bless your children here tonight, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name.